I'm Dia Rabin, actress and kung fu fighter, and you're listening to Theatrics. Didn't Keats write a poem about that? The best cheese is the, the one that someone made up. By far the most complicated show we've ever undertaken. I'm imagining a tadpole with big mopsy hair. It had four blood cannons rigged into the set so that we had a splatter zone. I like, I really like this show. You guys give Heidi a hard time and Maggie doesn't like Lear. So we could spray fake blood at the audience. High school musicals. You're here again. I'm here again. I'm back for the Mantego cheese. <laughs> and we have more of it. We had fictional cheese last time. But now was, we have real cheese. It was incredibly delicious. I've left it in the refrigerator. It was though. the best cheese I've ever eaten. <laughs> Always is. The well, didn't Keats write a poem about that? The best cheese is the the one that someone made up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of a play that I will absolutely go see. Same. So what have we got today? So today is a very exciting day. Mm -hmm. Samantha Eve of Out of the Box Theater Company and I will be celebrating our 10 show Uh anniversary. uh And she's going to present you with something silver, I hear. I hear it's also an imaginary cheese. (laughs) imaginary silver okay good (laughs) so we'll be talking to her about our upcoming production of rocky Rocky horror Horror. which is coming up uh the week of halloween we will also be talking to my delightful brother jim Mm -hmm. yates a playwright Mm -hmm. in brooklyn and he will be chiding me for screwing up my explanation of his concept theater the betrayal correction corner correction corner we're in it okay good sounds fun let's get to it Let's talk about high school theater productions coming up. High school musicals. It's that time of year. Well, no, it's fall. It's straight play time and and musical maybe. Well, okay. So what's Santa Barbara High doing? So Santa Barbara High is doing one of my favorites of all time, John Waters' Cry Baby. Awesome. It's going to be fun. And that's like when? That is the first two weeks in November. So the first two weekends in November. You can catch that. Okay, and then, High. and then let's go a little more north and get to San Marcos. San Marcos is doing, and then there were none, mm-hmm. the Agatha Christie mystery. I love Agatha Christie. See, I don't know a lot about Agatha Christie. If, if loving Agatha Christie is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> That's fair. I support you in that. <laughs> you thought she was like Daniel Steele, which I'm a little well, bit offended by. I thought by. that she was Mrs. Potts. Uh, to be uh, fair. Which is actually worse. Who? But that's Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, then, yes. And Isn't that's like that... a sad, you know, descendant of Agatha Christie. That's like... <laughs> All right. But it's cozy. You're in the right genre. You're in... Learn you me know, about Agatha Christie. Tell me about me. Agatha Christie. Well, she is the most read or published author of all time. That's incredible. It is. It is incredible. That's I mean, huge. I think she's up there with the Bible. It's like the Bible, Agatha Christie. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what's her religion called? Uh, cozy Mysteries. Fantastic. And and then There Were None is one of those Cozy Mysteries. It's also a locked room. Excuse me while I get really excited. It's also a locked room mystery, except it's Ooh. it takes place on an island. And it had an unfortunate... It has it has a... a mm, uh-oh, a, it has, it has colonial a colonial past. It has a modeled past. Yeah, it Uh-oh. does. Was it a slave owner? Well, you know those British people. They they own, you know how they the sun never set on the British Empire. How they took over everything and yeah, enslaved they all the peoples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they had a nice little nursery rhyme that went with that, um, using the N word, which is verboten in the United States. Oh yeah, we don't use that. Hopefully, word. Yeah. yeah, right, uh, right. And um, when it was published, then American audiences didn't want, and you know the publishers were like. Yeah, that's too racist. Too gross for America. So what did so they, they change it to? they changed it to 10 Little Indians, Ooh. which, of course, we still... is Still uh, gross. So for 2017, it's been changed yet again to, and then there were none. Safer, much which safer. Which is the end of the rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> right? The beginning of the rhyme is, you know, 10 Little oh, Indians. God. And then it ends with, and then there were none. And they all get picked off, right? They all die. So, and then there I don't were want none. Spoiler alert. I mean, right? spoiler, but for real. I mean, but it's, it's a, fun to watch. Yeah. You know, who doesn't want to watch that? It's sort of like that uh, Japanese movie where they eat each other. 
Which on, one is that? On the island? I don't know. It's a Japanese movie. They is that in, Inari? Is that Inari? Or I don't know. Inma- I just know that there's a Japanese movie in which they're all on an island and they eat each other. Oh, no, there's... uh, I'm going to say in all the iterations of it I've seen, there's no consumption of human flesh. Okay. Unlike Rocky Horror Picture Unlike Rocky Horror, where there is consumption of human flesh. We're going to eat Will Schneiderman, (laughs) and I'm pretty excited about it. Well, I'm looking forward to... And then there were none. And then, And then closer to the north is... Dos Dos Pueblos. Pueblos Theater Company. They're doing Almost Maine. That's right. Almost Maine. Very cute mm-hmm. show. Very, Very cute, cute show, show for a high school. The most produced high school theater show like in the world. God, our entire in like world. high school population is doing these incredible incredibly popular plays. And I I want to reflect that when I was in high school there's no way we would have done Almost Maine. Mm. I mean, obviously it hadn't been written yet, so that was a problem, but... <laughs> but what about the content? Because well, when I saw it a yeah. couple of years ago for oh. the first time, because uh-huh. Westmont did it three or four years ago, and like, what a perfect... I mean, I thought, I was like, what a perfect play for Westmont, because mm-hmm. it is, to my sensibilities, mm-hmm. very, very tame. It's very sweet. It's very tame. You know what I mean? So like, what... And I'm trying to think of like, what we couldn't do well, in high school, but what, what was well, it? there's... Some same-sex romance. Oh, that's yeah. right. And I know it's funny that it's unremarkable to your generation, and well, you're not. I mean, you are quite a bit younger than me, but still, mm. you know, unthinkable when I was in high school. Un, absolutely unthinkable. Very interesting. It would have to be deeply coded. There's no way. There's no way. So yeah, so that's happening at uh, Dos Pueblos. So go see some high school theater. Yeah, first two weeks in November. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. And what was so fun that we did the other day? Oh, my God. We saw the Santa Barbara Symphony. Yeah, and it's opening. Doing Mozart. Yeah. That hack. (laughs) Screw that guy. (laughs) They couldn't come up with anything better. It was his late stuff, too. No, it was incredible. And it was a partnership with... State Street Ballet. State Street Ballet. And And they uh, inaugurated um, a choral group so symphony choral group so they had never done that before yeah and it was was really interesting you know they they put so the first part of it was just the jupiter symphony just the jupiter symphony just the orchestra but for the second part they you know sort of split the stage so that Mm -hmm. the entire orchestra was up above and then there was a stage below so you have everybody kind of upstage and on risers so they're you know kind of haloing above these dancers who you know had Uh this whole movement based interpretation of the symphony that we were listening to right we were listening to the requiem mass Mm -hmm. uh which was an incomplete work it was he died before he finished it it was finished by another composer but Hmm. um they put the dancers, the ballet to it. And I was kind of like, well, what are they going to do? I mean, because, you know, it's a requiem. It's mm-hmm. death. Like, I thought I'd be distracted, honestly. Well, it I is tough it because be. you have dance, which I think people generally associate mm-hmm. with being sort of a jubilant act. Exactly. And you're pairing this with a requiem mass, which right. is uh, not dirge, so jubilant. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but I thought that they did a really nice job mm-hmm. of finding sort mm-hmm. of communicating the, that. Yeah, communicating that and really finding the the lovely moments of it and perpetuating that through dance. Yeah. I mean, they had some really beautiful dancers. They really so did. It and was an interesting collaboration. It, it was. They had a, a, a kind of, it was a modern, modern dance mm-hmm. and they were, but they were using kind of a classical idiom for dance mm-hmm. and it kept it kind of quiet and classical, clean, symmetrical, non-narrative for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, sort of evocation of the music. Mm-hmm. And so I, I felt like it enhanced it. it. It walked that line between enhancing the production without making me overly focused on the dance. Yeah, they definitely felt like they went together very yeah. well. I think uh, mm-hmm. the... Who was the choreographer? Remind me. Uh, Solineux? Or maybe I'm That's saying right, that. Two French, Bill. Yeah, yeah Bill, Bill, thank you. So, but I think that he did a lovely job of, of yeah. creating and it's, an excellent I, narrative for You know, for dance. you and I don't see a lot of dance, I think. so. I see more theater than dance. Yeah, but definitely. I do, I mean, having become so interested in the performing arts. You know, right. I do try and, and branch out and see a little bit of dance, and there's a very, there's a thriving dance community in Santa Barbara, and yeah. they, they do some amazing work. 
So it's it's nice to branch out and see what the similarities are between the theater narrative, the theatrical narrative, yeah. and the dance narrative. Because there are a lot of, you know, in that Venn diagram, there's a big thing in the mm-hmm. middle that mm-hmm. they both accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the set design, I, w- I just want to point to the set design because it it not only was the orchestra on an upstage rise, but they had this kind of gothic uh, framework around them. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With these arches that kind of went everywhere. It was it was cool. Yeah, it looked like the inside of like a wooden yeah. church. It was like it was like you you turn a church inside out and right. then put it around uh, the the orchestra. I liked so it. So postmodern. And it was so post. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience was clearly entranced. Yes, by it. absolutely, and deservingly so. I think yeah. it was an excellent performance. Yeah. Good job, lovely. Hello, and we're back. I'm very excited to say hello to Samantha Eve, who's here with us today. We're going to be talking about Rocky Horror, which is coming up, opening on Halloween and running for the whole week at Center Stage. And I'm very excited about this one because this is my 10th show without a box. Oh my God, is it really? Can you believe it? I'm terrible. I missed our 10th anniversary. It's It's coming up. It's coming up. Is that wood? Is that wood? Is that silver? I know. I know. What are we going to each other? Something theatery, I mean. I know, I know. Something like a silver chalice or something. What is Game of Thrones? Silver chalice. I know it sounds like something you'd use in Hamlet. Lear, right? The last, the end. Don't give me ironic surprise. Your gift is you get some random thing out of our prop closet. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Okay, so now I will officially introduce Samantha Eve. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. We're very excited. We're very happy to have you here. We've been wanting to for a long time because Mm -hmm. uh, not only do you artistic direct out of the box which I want to talk about the the mission of that company but you also you know help us all communicate with each other on SB theater collab and then you know we know what's going on and and I think it's a great thing so yeah thank you I when I first came to Santa Barbara there was actually a community of people that had representatives from all the different theater companies um the Santa Barbara Theater League Mm, and they um that was what it was called right no performing arts league performing performing arts league yes and I went to a couple meetings and I was, you know, very new to Santa Barbara, very young, didn't really know what was going on. And then, it, you know, people started leaving, it disbanded and mm-hmm. it tried to regroup and come together again, but it just didn't seem to really have that cohesiveness to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, okay, it's, you know, I don't know when I started, 2016, 2015, mm-hmm. um, it's... We, people use Facebook. We can use the internet as a way to connect. And there are theater groups like this in Los Angeles and Chicago and other big cities that work really well to find out about auditions, find out about shows that are happening in town, and also just share resources. Um, there have been posts on the Facebook group like, I'm really looking for a giant fan. Does yeah. anybody have a giant fan? And like, or I need a performance space for this kind of show. Do you know of any, you know, that you can yeah. recommend? And so I really try to help when I can. And a lot of other people do too, which is yeah. awesome. And then we get the hive mind going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So probably if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you may already know about it. But if you don't, maybe check it out. Yeah, you can just find it right on Facebook. You do have to apply for a membership because I do get occasional like internet Randos. trolls that <laughs> once, once accepted will just like post spam that is not Santa Barbara Theater related. <laughs> and I have to go through and delete it after like five people report it and I get all these notifications in my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> You got what was you got one a couple of years ago, maybe when you first started it. That was like actually pretty horrific. Do you remember what this no. is? Well, somebody got hacked once, and oh. it was like gruesome, bloody images oh, that great. were being posted, and I was horrified. And I, they immediately were um, like, people started flagging it as uh, inappropriate, and I looked at it and was like, oh my god, because <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> she just gets the, the notification, yeah. right? And then she's got to yeah. go open it and be like, ah. And so but, you know, you delete, you write to the person and tell them, you know, sorry. You got hacked. You need yeah. to be aware of this. And, uh, right. Oh, wouldn't that be horrible if that happened to one? Oh I'm so glad that's not me yet. <laughs> but this is actually kind of an excellent example of the ways that you mm-hmm. serve the theater yeah. community way beyond Out of the Box and you. how you have you wear so many hats, both for Out of the Box and for just the 
community at large. Right. I, mean, I really were... try because I'm a big believer in like the more theater there is in Santa Barbara, the easier it's going to be for me to sell my tickets. Mm. And also yeah. it's just the better the audience is going to be, the more appreciative, the more understanding, the more knowledgeable. I, I really want Santa Barbara to be a town that the theater community here is recognized in Los mm -hmm. Angeles outside of Santa Barbara. And I think it can be. And when I first wanted to start out of the box at a Christmas party, I ran into somebody who had worked with another theater company here in town who told me Santa Barbara will never be a theater town. Really? Yes. I don't know that I believe that. I, I really hope not. And that's yeah. really one of the things that I've really worked towards. I want to support as much theater yeah. as I possibly can here in Santa Barbara. Yeah, for one thing, we have the only... BFA program yes, UCSB. in the UC system at UCSB. So, you know. Erwin Apple, holla. I know, and, right? And <laughs> that's everyone right. there who's who's supporting that that mission. And that's amazing and, and unique. Um, so tell us more about the out-of-the-box mission and vision. Well, what we really try to do is we only do musical theater. And we're the only company in Santa Barbara that only does musical theater that isn't a high school. And we cast people that are local actors in town, but also we cast, you know, we do hold our auditions in Santa Barbara, but mm -hmm. people will come to Santa Barbara to audition. We have people right. from Ventura, Santa Maria, Los Angeles. From PCPA, I yes, remember. We, yes, yeah. um, Eric Stein has been wonderful and tolerates all of my <laughs> crazy <laughs> emails asking him, do you know somebody that would be really good for this role? We need a male tenor who's willing to be in a Speedo on stage. <laughs> and he's got to be gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's very understanding of all of those desperate emails I send him. Oh, which new is great. reasons to like Eric Stump. Yeah. Oh, there are so many. I Let's know. just put that on but, the list. So I love musical theater. I've always loved musical theater. Um, I was that nerdy elementary school kid who would come into recitals singing songs from Grease 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, Grease 2. <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> and I know you and I know your type. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went to school at NYU and I majored in musical theater. And when I came back to Santa Barbara, I was really disappointed that there weren't more opportunities to audition for musical theater here in mm -hmm. town. And I was driving out to L.A. a lot to audition. And I did a couple of shows in L.A. and they were great, made a lot of friends. It's fantastic. But I wanted something here in town that I could work on. And so before I even realized that I was starting a theater company, we decided to do Reefer Madness which is a fantastic show. Oh, it's yeah, just yeah. amazing. It's a great movie, too, with Kristen Bell, and it's just wonderful, and I'm so glad that was our first show. Oh, oh, can I just pause and say that my husband is in love with Kristen Bell? Who isn't? I'm in love with Kristen Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's in love with Kristen Bell. Oh she, went, I, she went to NYU. Really? Did she I am 99% oh. sure she went to NYU. But <laughs> fact-checking, okay. yes. <laughs> that's a, a Googleable fact. Okay, Googleable. <laughs> So I have always loved uh, Reefer Madness, and we just decided, you know, let's just like do a show. And we found a bunch of really talented actors here locally, and yeah. people just kind of we put ads on Craigslist, and people just kind of came out of the woodwork. They wanted an op. I know you. We, well, we got some. We got some crazies some too. <laughs> we got some crazies, but we also got a lot of really talented people that wanted an opportunity to perform here in Santa Barbara. And so we put the show on, and then pretty much like, I don't know, the day it closed, I was like, okay, what are we doing next? Right. <laughs> and it took maybe three or four shows to realize that I had created a theater company, and I wasn't just doing shows randomly. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. is there anyone who has who you've kept casting from Reefer Madness or from like your earliest shows? Oh, my goodness. You just keep casting, keep casting. It was so long ago. And the trouble with Santa Barbara, and it's also the great thing about Santa Barbara, is people come and go. Yeah. People yeah. will come here for a while and then leave. Um, a couple of the people who were in our production of Reefer Man, it's our director, Sarah, and one of our actresses, Emily Jewell, um, both Emily Jewell, uh, created Elements Theater, right. Right. which is fantastic. And so that was really cool to have like more theater in Santa Barbara now. So now it's like doubled. And yeah. um, I'm still in touch with a lot of the people. I'm trying to think if there Tad, are any. Tad, I remember Tad. No, Tad wasn't in Reefer Madness. No. That was before we knew Tad. But Tad came right. in for John and Jen. That's right. I saw John and Jen and Tad, We, you and I had talked about showstoppers. Mm -hmm. And I remember him being, you know, knee high to a tadpole kind of a thing. Oh, tadpole! Tadpole! Tad <laughs> tad yeah, yeah. That is. Did he? Tad the did he have pole. big? Like I'm imagining a tadpole with big mopsy hair. And, <laughs> yeah, and extra tall for a tadpole. Sure, yeah, I can very see lanky. That. Yeah, a lanky Especially tadpole. for me, I'm only you know small. So <laughs> how tall are you? Tadpole. Um, five 
two and a half. Okay, you have a half an inch on me. So okay, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, thank you. You You're were tall to me, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but showstoppers are our our local. Uh, yeah, Radu and Marianne Astral. Yeah. I mm-hmm. did their shows from when I you know when I was about seven to when I was about thirteen. Right. And all of those great Gilbert and Sullivan musicals. I still, sometimes random songs will come into my head. I'm like, how do I know this song? Oh, it's from Iolanthe. What the heck? <laughs> Where is that coming from? I, I do tend to complain that a lot of my brain space is taken up by song lyrics. Right. So that's why I don't remember how to divide <laughs> numbers. We have technology for that. You don't need to know how to divide. Right. That's why they have calculators. <laughs> and iPhones. They invented that like 200 years ago. You are good. Keep taking up. But yeah, like, so I I remember a lot of that so clearly. We did the parades, the Christmas parade where I walked with showstoppers dressed up like a giant present, like with a huge box. (gasps) That's incredible. (laughs) There are pictures. I I have keeping them. I've kept them well hidden. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that was like, I just... Just wanted to give a yeah, shout so we out have to Yeah, so we've worked a lot with Tad, and yeah. yeah, Showstoppers is amazing. We've come to see some of our shows, and that always means a lot. Oh, definitely. Um, but yeah, out of the box, we really want to do contemporary musical theater. Back to your original question that yeah, we got right. a little sidetracked from. Okay. Um, musical theater, yes, but also shows that aren't being done very often, shows that are underproduced, but when I listen to the soundtrack, they speak to me. They have a story that's worth sharing. And that's really a big part of it for me is I, I see something or I read a script and I think, God, I want to share. I just want to share this with people. Right. I've made Maggie listen to so many uh, cast recordings in my car. And I'm like, no, I, I have you captive for 10 minutes as I'm driving you home. I'm going to make you listen to this new show that I what found. They're what so interesting, think? though. I mean, there yeah. there is so much musical theater that even mm-hmm. as a person who spends, I mean, if we're talking about Santa Barbara being a theater town, like I'm one of the very lucky people who's managed to kind of craft my whole lifestyle around theater. In Hashtag Seymour Theater. Hashtag Seymour Theater. And I mean, I still, like your knowledge blows me away. Every time <laughs> I see you, you have a new really cool, really interesting, very timely, very like of the moment of the culture show. And I think so it's always us- more is always being written too, which is the cool thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. not like... You know, shows have stopped, and now the newest show we have was written in the year 2000. Like, it's constantly, every year, there are, like, so many more shows that are coming out that are are off-Broadway, that are on-Broadway, that are being workshopped in New Jersey or La Jolla or other theater companies that pride themselves on bringing these new shows to the stage before they make it to to larger stages. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's really, I find it really fascinating to, to kind of witness that that journey that they take and to find those shows, those new ones. So Samantha, for those of us out there who may not know, like throw out some titles for me of shows you've done. Shows we've done. Okay. So we started with Reefer Madness. We did Hair, which mm. was one of the older shows that we've done, but at the time it still felt very, yeah. very relevant and it was just a beautiful show and we'd all be bawling by the end of it. Um, we did Assassins, which was an amazing show that is not produced nearly not often enough. enough. It's I wonder Sondheim. if it's going to come back. It's Somehow really, it's so good. Like it's about to have <laughs> it's a, a time. <laughs> it really, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, it's a, an amazing, amazing show. And uh, yeah, so what else? We did Evil Dead, the musical, which oh, people yes. continually ask me if we will do that show again. And every time I'm like, never. I mean, it's possible. Wait, it's wait, just, let me ask you. Are you going to do that again? <laughs> <laughs> it was just technically... By far the most complicated oh show we've ever undertaken. Mm-hmm. It r- had four blood cannons rigged into the set so that mm-hmm. we had a splatter zone so we could spray fake blood at the audience. Mm-hmm. We've come mm-hmm. so far from then. If we did it now, it would be a lot easier, I think. Mm-hmm. But at the time, we bought these huge buckets. We overbought. We had like twice as much blood as we needed. And they used carrots to make the blood, so it needed to be refrigerated. I'm um, oh, trying to fit a giant, no. giant like paint bucket thing full yeah. of fake blood into yeah. a re- refrigerator. We had like 20 of them. I was thinking of maybe writing an academic, a serious academic book that it would would have two factors. Like one would be the evolution of stage blood or like the representation of blood on on stage from, you know, from the Greeks to Grotowski or beyond. <laughs> Oh my I mean, God, that would be incredible. Wouldn't that be fun? I, I would love to learn more about that, what they you? used to I use. Yeah. That. Well, we'd have to guess a little, or I'm just sorry, make it we up. call that research. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, for anyone really interested in it, I use Momentum and Gravity's Blood Jam now, and I'm never going back. It's fantastic. It washes out of anything. Yeah. 
And yeah. we learned about this um, in Carrie, which we used more fake blood than I think we've ever used before. Yeah, that was and we had to wash that prom dress in my bathtub Gonna every night. Right and I would hang it up hair. on my, like on the, the shower rack there. And it just took forever. But now it came you, out so easily. You have a history of using yeah. just a ton of blood and all. Well, I feel it's like, the show's required. It's not like I'm yeah. like, we're going to do Oklahoma and not a ton of blood. <laughs> I think <laughs> you should show, do Oklahoma with a ton of blood. The shows Bandy have Oklahoma? it as a requirement, you know, and when, mm-hmm. when Carrie has blood dumped right. on her head, she needs to have blood, you know, all over her because yeah, she, she comes does. in and she's traumatized. So yeah. like liquids and mess seem to be kind of a motif. We do, we do like a little bit of mess, and it is a challenge, but it's, it, I think so it really is something segue. interesting for audiences. Good segue to Rocky Horror, yes, which I associate mm-hmm. with um, giant messes. With giant messes. Made in of rice and in glitter stoves. and <laughs> toilet, paper. toilet paper. Oh, God, is there oh, glitter? about that. Uh, there is no glitter. There is no. a rule of center stage in case you missed the sign in the dressing rooms about body glitter. <laughs> and it's been no out as long glitter. as I can remember. <laughs> There's also literally 15 glitter jokes hanging up throughout the office and the stage all over. Probably Instead every theater of glitter, I've ever been Instead of glitter, we in. are actually using bubbles, oh. which I think works just as well. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit more fun than just... Because th- yeah. how many things do you throw during Rocky Horror? But how many things do you well, blow? Well, I had forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Five, if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're doing it right. <laughs> And also, everyone loves bubbles. So. That's true. Everyone loves bubbles. So, <laughs> what made you pick Rocky Horror, other than your natural attraction to to liquid? the weird and and liquid? Um, <laughs> Gross. Well, yeah. people have Sticky. actually been asking me about Rocky Horror since our very first show. Once we did Reefer Madness, everyone thought that would be the obvious next choice, and because mm. everyone thought that would be the obvious next choice, Wait, I why, am, why would that be the obvious next choice? I think they just sort of fall into these cult musical theater gotcha. kind of a. Uh, Boxes, you know, there's that, there's Hedwig, there's a lot of these kind of counterculture cult musicals. And that is one of them. So everyone would ask me if we were doing that next. And because I'm stubborn, I was like, no, we're doing something totally different. You can't make me do that. But at this point, we were saving it originally for our 10th anniversary. We were going to do it on our 10th year. We were going to do Reefer Madness again, Mm. which we might still do, with an actual budget and knowing what we're doing (laughs) versus when we first started. That's really interesting, actually, to like see one production done by a company. Yep, and then 10 years later. zero. Uh And that's kind of the goal. That would be... Such an incredible study. Oh, I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. Okay. Or well, a reunion. Yeah, thing. yeah, oh. as many people as we can, but a lot of them, unfortunately, are not in Santa Barbara anymore. But some are, and we would love to have that be a part of it. Um, yeah. But and, and and to do uh, Rocky Horror, but. You know, it's hard to have a theater company. It's always, every year is a financial struggle, and yes. it's wondering if you're going to continue. And there mm. was a point this past year where I was like, you know, why are we waiting? We don't know if we're going to be around for 10 years. We kind of wing it year by year. And luckily, Santa Barbara is very supportive, and we've been able, based on the support of Santa Barbara's theater community and my incredible stubbornness, to keep going. And this is our eighth season, which is insane. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to wait and then miss out on it. Mm. And it seemed, it just felt like the right time. So Rocky Horror fits out of the boxes, M.O. to a T. It is weird. It is different. Ageless. It is ageless. And it really is, I think, a show that makes you think, even though it's it's treated like a party a lot of the time, I think if you really look at the script and you look at the story that they're telling, it's it's saying something interesting. It is. It's like Rabelais. I mean, it's it's like everything I understand about disruption and release and And sexual identity Mm -hmm. and honestly I think about the idea of people being different and being okay with being different and not necessarily fitting into what is viewed as acceptable and normal and you know clean cut 1950s shucks kind of (laughs) I think my friend Nicole and I thought that you know, Tim Curry was like the sexiest human that ever, you know, that, never, after it, watching that never, movie, that's fascinating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. After watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, okay, I got to see him and he and I had these great seats in San Francisco and he walked up the aisle and I want you to know that I was about as close as this table. That is which, very close for, for those you guys. Who you can't see. <laughs> It is very, it, I very was close. Like, she was going to say, I was just right at the bottle of champagne. I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 
He is not a tall person either. He's fun size like we are. Nice. <laughs> not Maggie, but Aww. you know, you Sam. It is the nice thing about being short is everybody seems tall. <laughs> everybody uh, seems tall right. to me. But Tim Curry is not a tall man. No. This is all PD, which means pre-David, so I can tell you, you can. how I feel about this. <laughs> That's amazing that you had that opportunity, though. Yes. <laughs> all right, well, and you're doing it at a great time of year. You're doing mm-hmm. it in Halloween, which makes so much sense to me. Another time of reversals. And of, of an costumes and kind of of that yeah. idea of... Uh, we talked a lot about this um, with the cast just the other day and, like, what... What about Halloween seems to fit with Rocky Horror? And it actually made me think, because even though I always kind of felt that they would go well together, I never really thought about why. I just was like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that would be a great time to do it. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is that idea, that freedom of kind of just being whatever you want to be for that that day. Yeah, the, yeah. Definitely. The embracing of the chaos. I know mm-hmm. we've been talking about chaos in relation to the show because we there yeah. are there is that aspect in which there right. are the props, and a lot of times that's with and and audience shoutouts and audience shoutouts. So and if you'll allow me to be pedantic for a minute, do it. Uh, the you know Dionysus is the god of theater. He's also the god of liquid Wine. because mm-hmm. he's the god of of the changing of states. You know the the movement of the seasons, the shifting the fermentation a you know a fertility god a god of chaos mm. controlled chaos so fertility god Dionysus? oh yeah definitely hmm. think about it yeah <laughs> i thought there was somebody else though aren't they oh there are okay there's multiple okay. Oh, there's yeah, multiple okay. fertility gods. this is not you know your judeo-christian binary. <laughs> <laughs> so makes sense to me i mean it yeah yeah and and that's what's essentially theatrical about rocky horror um is it's kind of bacchanalian frenzy or it's dionysian excess mm-hmm. and it is interesting because um that is the way that most people view the show and it's the way that the show has sort of created a reputation for itself and it's also an extreme challenge for me <laughs> yes <laughs> because as us. a director you don't want a lot of challenges and unexpected things happening on the stage you want it to be what you staged every night it's the same Mm -hmm. and that's something in all of our shows that we've done before you know it's you want something that's consistent when you see a broadway show after 20 years of it being open you want it to be the same show you saw when Mm -hmm. you first went to see it and shows that have managed to do that like phantom of the opera Les Mis, shows that were on Broadway for such a long time and have switched casts and have changed all of these different things but still managed to tell the same story as effectively as the first time that it opened. Mm-hmm. I, I think it really pays off. But this is not that kind of a show. And so that has been a real challenge for me because I have had to speak to the cast and say, you know, people may shout things out that you yes. are not expecting. Right. We have the basic idea of when the, you know, the main shout outs will happen. We could have a performance where nobody shouts anything yet. We could have yeah. a performance where people shout things out that are horribly inappropriate and we have to sort of like steer the performance back to what we want it to be. And so there is a sense of uh, the unknown that comes yeah. with this show. There's yeah. a lot, there's a giving up of control, there which is. as a director, where it's I feel like direction is a lot about control, it, it is very challenging. But I think it's also going to be very rewarding. That, that's going to be really interesting to kind of watch yeah. how the audiences receive it. Because, you know, for me, I have a very clear framework of what to do if I were at a screening of it. You but know? with a live mm-hmm. with a live performance, yeah. you have actors there. Different. Are you going to throw things, you know, like we talked about that before a little bit, but the idea of in the movie, you just throw things toward the screen. But when yeah. you have actors that are maybe three feet away from you, we don't want you to throw things at their faces because then they can't continue acting. Yeah, they can't be <laughs> dodging toast while also no, singing and dancing. No, uh-uh. And so they... We, we've tried to prepare the actors as much as possible, but there is going to be, every performance is going to be different. And I think that they all know that. And I think they're all actually really excited yeah. for the opportunity. A lot of them have improv experience. Mm, A lot of them are, ha- are very familiar with the show, have been to the movies and seen the very interactive, you know, screenings and, and want that. And they're yeah, ready for that. that. So give us a little teaser. Like, is... <sighs> What have you, have you torqued, added, what have you shifted or should we look forward to shifts, changes, well, evolutions? I, th- <clears throat> I do think this is going to be different than people that have seen the movie 
and and even people that have seen other stage productions because we're doing it in a very intimate setting. And I'm a big believer mm-hmm. where I don't want to do a show, a Broadway show, a big spectacle Broadway show and just try to shrink it into a smaller space because I don't think it reads. I think to not use that intimacy is to waste it. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying really to connect with the audience in a more intimate way because they are on stage. We have two rows of audience, 24 seats every night are on the stage. Okay. And so they are right up in your face. And if you just ignore them and perform out like, you know, you would in a normal theater production, it's sort of awkward. It's sort of forced because they're right there. So why not involve them? Why right. not include them in this experience? Yeah. And so much of the show is about inclusion that it just it just seemed like a natural fit. And so I do think it's going to be different than what people might expect should they have just seen the film or seen other stage productions in that way. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the story, the story is exactly the same. It's mm-hmm. the script. Um, Samuel French is kind enough to license it to us. And it is, you know, the traditional story, very uh, spoofy on the B-movies of the sci-fi. Kind of, I, I heard it uh, described as a horror um comic farce or you know it like yeah it's a screwball horror yeah <laughs> yeah i can see that and it definitely we've definitely played around a lot with some farce elements that kind right. of physical comedy yeah. i keep comparing it to a family guy because you know it's something that's relevant and contemporary and mm-hmm. that idea of family guy makes these jokes happen and they go on for so long that you're like it's not funny anymore and then it goes on even longer and you're like oh wait it's funny again how did that happen when they first did that bird is the word thing I was like I can't believe they're doing this they did the same thing with (laughs) Shapoopy they did the entire song and like halfway through you're like oh my gosh is this still going on and by the end it's hilarious again and it's finding those kind of moments those over-the-top physical comedy farce moments and a lot of it is in the script as well and so we're playing around a lot with that so your reference you know so it was a stage play then it was a film and then and now it's a yeah musical or or it was a musical then it was a film that now it's musical again so you you can refer back to both the film also Mm -hmm. you know and i actually just recently uh watched the film um over at milk and honey farms i was invited to a very small screening of the film just a couple (laughs) weeks ago where we were handed prop bags and we all sat in this cool barn upstairs and I brought some cupcakes and we all hung out and drank wine and and threw pieces of toast at this projection screen. <laughs> and it was just a lot of fun to really I wanted to watch it again because it had been a while and I really just wanted to kind of get the sense of watching it in an atmosphere where everyone was participating. And a lot yeah. of people had never seen it before. And some of them were seeing it for the first time because they wanted to see our production of it, but didn't want it to be the first thing they saw. They wanted to see the movie first. Yeah, once um it was on you know, we, I forget one of the kids was watching it, not when they were small, don't worry, <laughs> podcast audience, but you know, in their teenage years. And I was like, this is so wrong on, on the small screen, you know, on my TV li- know, living it's, room. It's, it's this is wrong. It needs to be big. Yeah, it needs to be big. And, and by making it live, you make it even bigger, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also very, um, inclusive. Like you feel yeah. like you're a part of it. You're stepping into that story, which is very cool. Now, who do we have on the cast? Tell us. Oh my who gosh, we're it's such a seeing. big cast. It's actually um, tied for our largest cast with oh. Heather's. We have oh. seventeen people in the cast, and so I'm going to try to Heathers. keep count as I name people off. But okay. if I miss anybody, I'm sorry. I still love you. Okay, so <laughs> we have Alex Allen playing Frankenfurter, and he was in our production of Heather's as Ram. He's coming in from L.A. This has been his dream role for a very long time. During Heather's, he was like, when are you going to do Rocky Horror? And I was like, eh, I don't think I'm going to do it right now. But he, this is such a perfect role for him, and he has been so excited and so supportive of the production. He's just been fantastic. All right, we also have Dylan Uhas as our Brad. He is a Santa Barbara local. He's my little brother's very good friend. I've known him since he was like 12 years old. And he's in the City College show at the same time, the One Man, Two Governors, which I'm seeing this week. I'm very excited. I need to stop hitting the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we have... um, Janet? Who's Janet? um, Her name is Allison, and she is a Santa Barbara local. She went off to college. She came back. I had been wanting to work with her for a while, but she actually... um, You know, she was in high school. She was doing the shows with her school, and she came back, and she auditioned, and we were just like... Yep, this yep, is it. Janet. Yeah, she yes. is fantastic. Oh, fun. And of course, costuming has been a blast too. Finding the mm. clothes for Brad and Janet. Uh, those, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it's definitely Stuffy been a clothes. lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, her dress has so many ruffles on it. Iguana clothing in LA, in oh, Hollywood. Funny. 
yeah. really fantastic resource. Do we get some good like 1950s style undergarments? Um, yeah, and surprisingly not that hard to find. Um, <laughs> it's a fetish. We found totally. a lot of the uh, bras at thrift stores. And, oh, yeah. delicious. And then uh, petticoats, you know, through various websites. Fun, 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 yeah. fun times. And so we also have then um, Kelly Sparman, who is our Columbia. She was in our production of Great 35 prep. Millimeter. Is she a tap dancer? She is tap dancing, mm, yes. Awesome. Complete with tap shoes. We had to keep the tap in. There are far yeah. too few musicals, contemporary musicals, that have tap dance in them. Right. There and should be more. Who's meatloaf? Like, how do you reproduce meatloaf? Um, we are not trying to reproduce. Because they're like, why? Why try? Yeah, right. We're not trying to be meatloaf. And that's actually Will Schneiderman, who has been in a couple of our productions. Mm-hmm. He was in, um, the first one was Spring Awakening. He played Melchior. The second one was Carrie. He played the bad influence, bad boy boyfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then he was in our production of Body and Clyde. And he was just so fantastic in that role. Also the um, bad the brother. influence, bad boy boyfriend. Not really. Of you. Not really that bad. He was like the good brother. He Tragic. No spoilers. You're going but it was back tragic to jail. Ending. That's what you're doing tomorrow. You're going back to jail. Uh, so he was in that. And then he was in uh, High Fidelity. He moved to LA, That's came back to Santa Barbara. And he was our Rob yeah. in High Fidelity just okay. last year. Yeah. Right. And so he's making a little bit of a guest appearance as um, Eddie, who um, was played by Meatloaf. And right. yes, he comes back from the Half Dead to sing a pretty old school rock and roll song. Yeah. yeah, it's a great song. That's a good cast, like a good casting for him. I think that yeah. he kind of. That rock sound like is it. great for him. Yeah. He sounds yeah. like it. He looks like it. I think that he'll pull that off really Not well. that he looks like Meatloaf. No, he doesn't look like Meatloaf, but like he looks like the way that type of music yes. sounds. Yes. No, absolutely. Yeah. And so then, so that's us. That's Eddie in Columbia. We've got Zach, Zachary Allen Thompson as Riff Raff. And he's been in a few of our shows before. He sent in a video to audition for Heathers. When we first did it, he was moving from Chicago to Santa Barbara. I got the video. I was like, thank God he's coming to Santa Barbara. Musical theater training, just really spot on, reliable voice. Great to work with. He's a very good friend. He's fantastic. And the professor? The professor, Dr. Scott, is being played um, by Todd Tickner, who was also in our production of Heather's as Ram's dad. Mm -hmm. And so when I first mentioned that we were looking at doing the show, he said, I hope you'll let me audition for this role because I've always wanted to do it. And I was like, I'm going to keep that in the back of my brain and it's just going to kind of sit there. And he's so fun in the role. And I actually have a wheelchair all folded up in the back of my car as we speak. Oh, very good. (laughs) That I have been carrying with me. I have to take it out of my car when I put cupcakes in. Um, For those of you that don't know that are listening, I don't know that anyone wouldn't know this at this point. But um, my other job is I bake cupcakes. And so I have a Mini Cooper. There's only so much room in the back. So it's either a wheelchair or boxes of cupcakes. It's just a wonderful (laughs) visual bit to imagine five feet of Sam moving, like forcing a wheelchair out to put some cupcakes. It actually it was in. really hard to get it into my car and like pieces fell off. I'm sorry, Santa Barbara High, we put them back, I swear. <laughs> How fun. How fun. Yeah. So let's see, who else do we have in the cast? Um, Magenta. Marisol. Marisol Miller Wave. Mar has been absolutely fantastic to work with. I have been begging her on Facebook to come and audition for our shows for years now because I knew she did musical theater mm-hmm. and I knew she did theater in Santa Barbara and it just never worked out timing wise. And who is she playing? I'm she's excited. playing Magenta. Okay, good. And she's, fun, she, fun. watching her on stage, I mean, she steals moments from the show where I just, my eyes are naturally drawn to her because mm-hmm. she's making the funniest faces. She's doing the weirdest things. Mm-hmm. She puts 110% in on stage. Are, are you able to do the... Bride of Frankenstein hairdo? Um, no, we're we're making it a little bit more contemporary. Like I said, we're we're not like doing it, the film. Twist. We're we're changing a little bit of the visual. Same with Columbia. Ooh. And funny enough, um, Kelly actually has that very short red hair, and she's like, "I thought that's why you cast me." <laughs> and then I wigged her. <laughs> so we're trying Good. to find ways to make it our own, make it a little different. Old wine, new bottles. Exactly. That's actually a really interesting way to say it. But um. <laughs> So who else? Let's see. We've got... I think you covered it. Yeah, those are sort of the main... Uh, then we've got yeah. uh, six phantoms on stage. They're all in the ensemble. They sort of are these uh, ghostly... Oh, cool. You know, we've been talking the about what they are exactly. They are. They're, they're not the, really aliens. They're sort of the, like the, fall, hangers-on of Frankenfurter. Yeah, they but doesn't exist he have in the castle? other 
like minion people. Well, Riff Raff and Magenta, I think, are the two other oh, real okay. aliens. I thought there were other. They were know, like others. the ones in the movie wearing the ridiculous glasses and like doing all the dance numbers. Yes, the, yes. the Phantoms, and so they they exist as sort of a part of the a part of the castle, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. that they all have really unique personalities that they're able to bring into their roles, which oh, I think is awesome. Oh, and then the Usherette? The Usherette mm-hmm. is Melissa Marino, mm-hmm. who I think you might know from yes, Showstoppers. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, and uh, she came in. She had actually done the production that San Marcos did, their alumni production, mm-hmm. and she came in knowing the show. Um, yeah. She had a trip to Italy that we worked. We had to work around in the rehearsal <laughs> schedule. <but> Santa Barbara <laughs> problems. <laughs> I know, right? I was jealous. I was like, take me with you. Per favore. So talk about the challenges of such a huge cast. Oh, there are so many. But it's also so incredible. Like, it's a really weird thing because part of me will always love the small shows because they can be so clean. Once we open that show, I know every moment of it. I know what every single person on stage is doing at any given moment. And there's something really beautiful about that as a director. And that's sort of like you've really crafted the show and it is what you created. With a large show, there's always going to be some, it's just, you can't look at two million things at once. And so something will happen in the back that I don't notice until maybe halfway through the run. And then I'll just start like busting up laughing like, oh my God, I didn't even know you were doing that. <laughs> or it'll be a tech rehearsal. I'll be like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I don't so, know how long you were doing that for, but you can't do that. <laughs> so um, what I'm hearing you say is it's actually important to see this twice. So hey, I see... think you could see, a, I think you could see different parts of it. You, you know, know, I definitely, something, yeah. I, to go back, I mean, the Romans, the Greeks are really in my head today <laughs> thinking about Rocky Horror. It seems like it's ritualistic to see this, you know? Absolutely. So, ritual yeah. demands repetition. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, and I mean, another great thing about, you know, having a large cast is it really does feel like a community. Yeah. We all see each other, you know, mm-hmm. not every night, but most nights of the week we yeah. see each other and we get to talking during breaks and you get to know everybody. A lot of them are carpooling. Um, just to make it a little bit easier on them. So it's been a really cool, like, you know, everybody gets along. It hasn't been a show with a lot of drama, um, except on the stage, which is my favorite. Yeah, that's where, <laughs> that's where you want yeah. it, yeah. And, and so in that way, having a big show, also word of mouth is fantastic with mm-hmm. a big show. The mm-hmm. difference just from an artistic director standpoint of having 17 people spreading the word on Facebook and social media and telling their friends and telling their family versus yeah, two people. Yeah, it it makes a huge difference. Well, and, and it, it changes like the atmosphere of the audience too. When you yes. can really feel that mm-hmm, the audience the is supportive regardless. We've I mean, had a it's couple be shows. Great. We have had a couple when we first started where Oh my god, I, I can't believe I'm gonna say it. we had shows where the audience was they were less people in the audience than there were on stage. It happened. Not yeah. a lot, but it has happened. And honestly, like it really does change the energy. Definitely. I think having a lot of people on stage and a lot of people in the audience and it feels like a conversation. It feels mm-hmm. like it's not so much mm-hmm. like you're sitting there watching something, but like it's a it's taking over. It's like an atmosphere. It's right. It's interactive and it involves you. So what should people do now? Buy tickets? <laughs> Tell us. Question the, mark. Give, give, us, give us the Out of the Box website and the Center All Stage right, so website. It's outoftheboxtheater.org, and that's T-H-E-A-T-R-E, mm-hmm. because in college I the was taught way. that is, hey, I was taught that if it is like the art of theater, it's T-H-E-A-T-R-E. If it's a space, a venue, a movie theater, a theater you go to, it's T-H-E-A-T-E-R. So, for instance, to get tickets, you would go to Center Stage Theater, E R. <laughs> Although I actually think it's just centerstage.org. So <laughs> you don't even have to actually But know if you that. go to outoftheboxtheater.org, you will find a link on our Rocky Horror page that will take you directly to the Center Stage box office website where you can mm-hmm. buy tickets. Mm-hmm. You can also reach them by calling the phone number, which is 805-963-0408. I have that memorized because I call them to harass them with questions all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because this would be so much less than seeing a Broadway show or seeing Hamilton Hamilton in San Diego, they should probably cut you a check for future productions. Right? Hey, it, it is always welcome. And we do have student and senior discounts for $15, which mm-hmm. is a pretty good deal in Santa Barbara. We really want to make it accessible to everyone and yeah. make it something that people can do 
uh, in addition to going to the movies or something yeah. like that, a way mm-hmm. to spend their their, their evening. And Absolutely. Halloween this year is on a Tuesday. So, yep. you know, it's kind of a tough day because you're like, oh, I have to work. I have to do this, that, and the other. So now you have a theater show that you can go mm-hmm. to. You can stay. You can still go to work in the morning, but you still get to celebrate Halloween with a really fun mm-hmm. cast of people. Yes. And, and because it's out of the box, we will have cocktails. We will have cupcakes. We will have these things. Yes. In the <laughs> are, they're always they available. Are. And there are cupcakes. Always. So no toast, but cupcakes. <laughs> oh, yes. Should I sell toast at the concessions? I think people would prefer cupcakes. I think they would. I'm going to be real with you. I would pay $6 for toast that you made. I I'm sure it would toast. be amazing toast. I mean, it I love it. It could be like toast. avocado toast. Very no, you know what? Mm. Could you? Oh, oh, I have an idea. Wait, I'm having a brilliant moment. You should have themed cupcakes around the things that people normally toss at the actors. (laughs) Well, we do usually try to stay within a theme. Like for High Fidelity, we had Team Rob and Team Laura cupcakes that people could choose from. From When we did Bear, I tried to make the concession stand like a school bake sale fundraiser we did like super basic like. the little axes for lizzie <laughs> yes we did little bloody axes in the cupcakes for lizzie for evil dead we had cocktails with eyeballs on mm. um toothpicks and those were made with lychee and blueberries and strawberry syrup mm. i suppose meatball cupcakes is just gross yeah <laughs> I, the I cupcake mean, itself is meatloaf but they part of me him. really wants to take like the challenge well not in the theater no i don't want to do spoilers <laughs> <laughs> They eat him, Sam. I know. In the movie, they do eat him. <laughs> they don't really eat him. That's not vegan. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? It is probably gluten free. You're right. Um, this is changing my idea about and, it. And if I know anything about a Santa Barbara audience, they will eat anything that is, is told to them that it is gluten free. It's free range. <laughs> oh, God. I can't. I really can't, guys. Okay, we should probably stop there. <laughs> All right. See Rocky Horror. Please. Yes. Halloween. It's going to be fun. October It'll be moments. October 31st through November 4th. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great night. So, a couple of podcasts ago, I brought up this concept called Theater of the Betrayal. Do you remember this, Anna? I do. And I said that uh, the essence of theater is betrayal. And we had a whole conversation about it. And And then you said, no, my brother says theater has to please the audience. And I was like, "Mm." But then, so my brother, Jimmy Yates, who's a playwright in New York, uh, in Brooklyn specifically, mm-hmm. listened to it and he's like, "You got to let me explain theater okay. of the betrayal because this so, is so it's so his construct, him- it's his concept." Uh-huh. And I, when he told it to me, I thought it was the most the funniest thing I'd ever heard, and so <laughs> oh, I was okay. trying to recreate it and I blew it. So on the line with us today, mm-hmm. we in the have, correction corner, kind of. That's right. Telling us what's actually what is Jim Yates, our voice, New York correspondent. Hello, a voice Jim from the other side. Hello, everybody. How are y'all doing? We're doing well. How are you doing in Brooklyn? Uh, it's fine. I'm in my uh, apartment. That's about. Mm-hmm. It's like a jail cell, but like uh, no one is, uh, you know, clanking on the bars on their way over to see mm-hmm. me. So I'm I'm Jim. I'm Maggie's brother. I'm Maggie's younger brother, and uh, I am I'm in uh, I'm in Brooklyn. I've been here for about uh, nine years a little over nine years, and uh, I was a playwright at UCLA, and I was a lyricist, book writer at NYU, and now I'm a person in the world. Okay, so Theater of the Betrayal. First, The first thing that you left uh, out of Theater of the Betrayal was that it was a homework assignment when I was 20 years old. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> it was a paper from the fourth grade. Off. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> like, I had this idea <laughs> that theater should surprise people, and mm-hmm. my teacher was like, you know what? <laughs> that's That's been done. <laughs> but, okay, so here's what... Here's what that here's, sounds here's really what unsupportive. It does sound unsupportive. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's but from it's a little town done, here on the coast of California. Well, we like it, you know? Yeah. So, it, uh, Theater of the Trail... You're gonna if you're gonna set up a nice piece of theater as a trail. You're gonna go into some hostile territory, okay? And you're gonna act the way that you're supposed to in that territory. And you are going to put on a play that they are going to eat up. Like okay. so, like okay. give like us an example. Said, 
oh, let's say you go into a uh, very obviously blue state environment or red state environment and you um, pick a hot-button issue that people are arguing about, mm -hmm. uh, but everyone feels pretty like-minded mm -hmm. in that area about yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And they are just can't wait to argue with someone who really is not in the room. And uh, you uh, put on your play, and um, it really supports what they're saying and, like, proves their morality. Right. And then at the very end, as they're, you know, this is, why can't people, like, why can't people be more like this? <laughs> That's when, while they're applauding the actors, after, you know, they're waiting for, like, the main character to come out, they're all in that, you know, that, you know, that V shape that just happens in, in uh, the curtain call when they kind of part, you know. Yeah, and the like, little concavity yeah. that happens yeah. when they're waiting for their final moment of right. the lead. Right, right. And if there's any stairs on stage, the director is like, let's get a big cross down the stairs, you know, like that kind of moment. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. So, All so, the glamour, so, uh, all the glitz. Right, right. And that's when this character emerges, like, you know, with blood in a, in a coat hanger, you mm -hmm. know, and like, what have I done? And, you're, <laughs> and, and the... <laughs> And then the audience is, you know, oh, confused. no, I, <laughs> they're confused. Been betrayed. <laughs> I see. I've been betrayed. <laughs> Wait, is Hillary behind this production? <laughs> it's yes. her email's fault. I know. Benghazi. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, everyone's, everyone's just mind is rocked. So, wait, is there, and, uh, is there a riot? Is that the final act? Uh, the final act is that uh, Los Angeles burns down uh, oh, by, oh. from at the hand oh. of its people, but that happens that happens like after the Lakers win a championship mm -hmm. or lose a championship. So <laughs> it might not be related <laughs> to uh, the show. It may be that more of a Lakers thing. So did you ever try this out? <laughs> right. Did you ever put it put it out there? Did you ever do it? Uh, I didn't because uh, it was so like I had such mm -hmm. a rough time with my teacher. It wasn't like she, she didn't say like um, she didn't say this is bad. This is terrible. Don't ever do this. Don't try to pass yourself off like you should be mm -hmm. the first mm -hmm. few essays of a course reader in a college class. Like this is not but she, she didn't say that. She said, you know what? This is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very Machiavellian. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. But she said it would so, be a good uh, play, said, right? No, she said you should write a play hmm. where a character uh, is about a theater troupe where a character tries to make this a thing, That's and uh, and then they find out why this is a disaster. Maybe theater was better when it was there was rioting. Now we get yeah, quiet clapping, polite or, or, applause, or fake standing. Oh, God. Okay, is this What's a thing worse? in New York? We get every production that we go to, they get a standing ovation. It's mm -hmm. like the natural thing now. I don't understand why. I refuse to stand. Mm -hmm. I'm like the Colin Kaepernick you know, of I, theater. Did, yeah, I know. Yeah. You were bending a knee the last time. I was. I was down on were, one knee. I know. I was like, oh, your Mozart was very <laughs> fine. <laughs> clap, clap. Clap, clap. <laughs> Actually, the Mozart was really good. No, the Mozart, the Mozart was, was really good. good. But it's running rampant. It's a huge problem. <laughs> if I respect the show, if I respect the show, I won't do it because I want them yeah. and I'll, I'll sit there and right. I'll try to make eye contact with someone, you know, and be like, you know what? It was re and I'll clap really hard and I'll be like, it was really good. Like I'm not, gonna, it was three stars, so I'm not going to give you the standing O, but, but if it's terrible and everyone's doing it and everyone's blowing smoke up each other's ass, I'll be like, you know what? Why not just lie to you because of what you just put me? Yeah, you know why not? And then uh, <laughs> I think we're all that part of the same. I think that is theater of the betrayal. I think theater yeah, of the betrayal right. is you making eye contact mm -hmm. with somebody who just mm -hmm. did a very fine but not standing o worthy yeah. performance, and you I clapping really intensely and like looking at them in the eye, like yes, yeah. that was excellent. I will not stand for you. That's theater of the betrayal. So did you give the old standing O to Hamilton when you saw it? Of course I did. This, oh, is, yeah, this is why the whole thing was... It's part of it. It's part of it. You know, I so saw... It's a, it's, a, I, it's a big, you know, it's a party. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I saw a headline today. I didn't read the article yet, but I will. 
called how to know how to how to know a cult how how to spot a cult oh god and i thought everyone knew that i mean i just thought we all knew how to spot a cult but well people keep falling <laughs> into this trap so apparently it's not yeah. <laughs> but the standing o is kind of cultish it is kind of cultish hamilton cultish. is kind of cultish let's be real is hamilton a cult jim your thoughts you got it you got to zoom out a little bit more. The first line of that should have been, if someone invites you to see their play. Uh-huh. Agree. I feel you. Agree. If someone, said, <laughs> if someone says, hey, you want to be in theater? Uh-huh. Sing no better. and run away. <laughs> That's like, do you want a free horse? <laughs> or, hey, no. do you want to come yeah. sit in the back of my white van with no mm-hmm. windows? It's basically the same thing. <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be free wine. Uh, we all yeah, know you're gonna be drunk. Happen. There's gonna be some pain, but there's also gonna be a lot of release. Are we uh, still talking about theater? Right. Mm-hmm. No, we're talking about the betrayal at this point. <laughs> well. Thank you, Jim. I, I'm really feeling like I'm on the same page with what you were trying to do. And my idea was that if theater doesn't push or push against the audience's framework and, and sense of sympathies, then it's like, just watch Netflix because you already paid for the subscription anyway. So just go, you know. Agree. I know. Right, right. You know, just. Right. I'm like leaning into that. Yeah. But I think there's an assumption about what people are actually doing there. And there's there's a lot of people there who are obligated to be there by whatever situation they're in with someone involved. Sure. And the white uh, there's an opportunity to there's just like an opportunity to reach them, definitely. Um, there are people who are at any level of like the spectrum of, of interest. There's, sure. there's your diehard core people who are like your first hit on Kickstarter, right? And then there's like people outside of that who you're like, maybe they'll come to another show soon. And they do, and you're excited. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like the aspect of like getting, like the purpose of just getting people interested in the art form in a car as well, but to like get them back. So there's more interest, which means more money, but also what's maybe, maybe one is more important than the other, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, uh, making a difference in the world Mm. and like that being the purpose. A lot of different people involved in the show are going to have a lot of different like purposes for doing it. And a lot of people coming to the show are going to have a lot of different reasons for being there. And I think that like uh, the, if you're going to focus in on the changing minds, changing lives, I think it's the one of the most noble things you can do in a show. And it's also like the biggest part of the cedar ego so that's so i don't i don't uh i i'm i uh i'm writing something right now that like you know there's so much in my head that's like i hope that people really connect with this and another part of me that's like yeah who am i these things might all exist in everybody's mind i don't know i'm only me they might all exist in everybody's mind like some part of the pie people want to change minds some part of the pie people want to like get them in and show them, you know, maybe just show off. Maybe, you know, yeah, different, lots of different reasons. And some people want to like make in, you take an issue and really drive it and, or give it, give it a voice, which is all extremely, extremely noble. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, you know, unless you're trying to perpetuate something it, that's you know, harmful, the, the romantics really not going to make it. Yeah. Can I talk about the romantics? Do for it. A second? Yeah. They, had given up so completely on theater. I mean, you know, theater at that point was so commercial and, you know, by it was there was a code, there was mm-hmm. templates, it was formulaic, it was boring. Sort of like Netflix. Yeah. Bad. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And so they just gave up and they just stopped writing. They they completely distanced themselves intellectually from the the thought of putting things on stage. And so they wrote um, closet drama, you know, just mm. and and that ends up being some of the most interesting theater because it had utterly given up on actual. Well, theater. that's kind of I feel like that is part of the cycle, right? It's right. sort of like the burning of all the right. the crap before all the trees can rebloom, right? Like you have to get to that space where you're just like, all of this is terrible. Like we're gonna yeah. find something so different and so 
subversive and other right. that it sort of sparks people's creativity mm-hmm. again. And then the cycle kind of begins again, you know? Nice. So maybe that's where theater of the betrayal is because it wasn't even meant to leave the closet, you know, leave. It exists mm-hmm. at its best mm-hmm. in theory. In, in theory. Yeah. I like that. All right. <laughs> well, theater of the betrayal is maybe like the height of my ego going mm-hmm. out of control, thinking that I was a genius at age mm-hmm. 20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, though, we all need to have that moment. Yeah. And I like it. I like theater the trail. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Anyway, thank you so much for thank correcting you. me and sharing. Correction corner. It's been ah, Maggie, ah. Yeah, just giving you a hard time. <laughs> I know. I, I like. I really like the show. I got you guys give Heidi a hard time. Maggie doesn't like Lear. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> you nailed you. it. <laughs> That's why oh, we're here. <laughs> all right, Jim. It's been a pleasure. Right, guys, thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so much you. for having me. I really okay. appreciate it. Thank you. Nice to meet Hi, you guys, Ann and David. Thank you. So great. Today's show was brought to us by the production talents of David Paris. Thank you, David Paris. And the sound was brought to us by Miles Austin. Thank you, Miles Austin. Oh, good sounds. What else, Maggie? Well, check us out on our website, TheatricsSB. Also, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, TheatricsSB, Facebook, TheatricsSB. Also, still looking for a signature cocktail other than a La Quadca. Because as much as I like La Croix and vodka, let's be real, I think we need something a little yeah. bit more intense uh, than that. A little more theatrical. A little more theatrical, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Curtain call. Curtain call. Wasn't she that woman who played Mrs. Potts on... Oh, my God. (laughs) No? (laughs) Different? Major literary. The most best-selling author of all time. Danielle Steele. No, you know, it's... um, (laughs) Yes, next question. (laughs) 